you have found the podcast of Tressler Mennonite Church. Each week we replay the sermon from our Sunday morning service so that anyone who may have missed the sermon can catch it later. We want to especially thank those of you who missed the sermon because you were working with our youngest children during the service time. This sermon was from February 13, 2022. The opening scripture was read by Linda Sturgis. The sermon text was Ephesians 6, 18-24. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. And pray for me too. Ask God to give me the right words so I can boldly explain God's mysterious plan that the good news is for Jews and Gentiles alike. I am in chains now, still preaching this message as God's ambassador, so pray that I will keep on speaking boldly for him as I should. To bring you up to date, Tychicus will give you a full report about what I am doing and how I am getting along. He is a beloved brother and faithful helper in the Lord's work. I have sent him to him I have sent him to you for this very purpose, to let you know how we are doing and to encourage you. Peace be with you, dear brothers and sisters, and may God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you love with faithfulness. May God's grace be eternally upon all who love our Lord Jesus Christ. So as we wrap up teaching through Paul's letter to the Ephesian church today, I'd like to quickly overview the entire letter. Um, I'm not looking just to review it, um, what we've already covered, that's not the point. Um, but just as it's important to break down the letter section by section as we have, it's also important to see it as a whole as well. What was Paul's main point uh, in writing to the Ephesian church? He didn't write a series of sermons to the church, he wrote a letter. And it was intended to be read at one sitting because it has an overall point, although, as I said, I think it's important that we go through and we, and we break it down as we have. But today we're going to kind of take a, a, a bird's eye view of it and see it from that perspective. If you listen to 88.7 The Bridge, you may have noticed their little segues or blurbs, or I didn't know what the right word to, to call these things were. Um, but these things that they've been playing over the first part of this year... Uh, have had the theme of who we are in Christ. They consist of verses and statements saying that we are loved, we are part of God's family, we've been given grace and mercy, we are viewed as holy and right uh, with God, and so on. Uh, verses that, that reflect this. And it's it was interesting to me, because this is exactly what Paul says to the Ephesian church and to us today in the first chapter of Ephesians. And as I've mentioned, the different times that I've preached uh, from Ephesians over the last few months, this is probably one of my favorite books in the Bible simply for this reason. You know, like Peter when he was walking on the water, I quickly lose focus of the truth when I begin to look at the waves of life crashing around me instead of on who God is and what Christ has done for me. And that's one of the things I appreciated about the songs that we sang this morning was they focused on who God was, what he has done for me. When I lose focus of that, my actions become self-seeking and unkind. My thoughts are only for my good and not the good of others. Instead of being thankful and generous, I become discontent and greedy. 
I'm not concerned with sharing the good news of Christ with others, and I become self-righteous and legalistic. So these are things that Paul deals with later in the letter, but first he has to make sure that we understand what it is that Christ has done for us and who we are in him. And he does this in such a simple way, but also in an intricate way that we can never, this side of heaven, fully comprehend or fully understand. We've studied these things out, but let me just refresh your memory quickly. Paul begins by telling them to praise God because they've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heaven because they are united with Christ. Blessed with every spiritual blessing. Stop and think about what that means. It's amazing. Do we realize what it is that he's done? In eternity past, God loved us so much that he chose us to be holy and blameless through Christ. Paul goes on, he decided to adopt us as sons and daughters into his own family. He made all of this possible through the work of Jesus' death on the cross. And it, Paul says that it gave him great pleasure to do this. How often do we stop and think about that it gave God pleasure to do all that he's done for us? Because he's so rich in kindness and grace, he purchased our freedom and forgiveness from our sin. He has given us an inheritance. And, now, and we now have the special privilege to live when both Jew and Gentile have complete access to God. He goes on as a seal and a token of our new position. He's placed his spirit within us. And Paul reminds them that God has done this with the exact same power that he used to raise Christ from the dead. Imagine that. The power that snatched Christ from the grave as Satan was sure that he had defeated Christ and thwarted God's perfect plan, that same power has snatched us from Satan's grasp and has placed us in God's family, spotless and blameless because Christ has paid our debt. These amazing things that we find here in chapter 1, and I could probably preach a sermon about each of those sentences that I uh, just read, the, the small parts, and I know it probably all kind of runs together, but go back and read chapter one again and and just think about each of the things that God has done for us, the things that Paul mentions here. So Paul tells us where we are now, what God has done for us, and it's wonderful, it's beautiful. But in the remaining chapters, he also reminds us where we were. People often tell those who become famous or rich or whatever, don't forget your roots. Don't forget where you came from. It keeps them from becoming conceited and helps them better appreciate their blessing. And Paul does the same thing for us here in chapters 2 and 3. He says, don't forget your roots. Don't forget where you came from. Yes, you are now adopted into God's family, but don't forget what it is that he has rescued you from. Paul says, you were dead. I was dead. We were separated from God. And there was nothing that we could do to remedy our situation. Even our good deeds were like filthy rags to God. And it was only because of God's grace and mercy and the work of Christ that he was able to offer us this gift of forgiveness. It's a free gift, not a result of anything that we have done. So we were dead, now we are alive. We are at opposite ends of the spectrum of where we deserve to be. And because of our sin and God's perfection, our relationship with him 
was severed, it was cut off. But now it's fully restored, and he views us as holy and righteous. Knowing where we have been rescued from helps us better appreciate what it is that we've been given. So let's not forget where we are or where we come from. Paul then goes on and shares that not only is our relationship with God restored, but also as a result of Christ's work, our relationship with one another is restored as well. Our sin nature causes us to be at odds with one another, but now we are able to be one. We are now able to function in harmony just as our physical bodies were created to do. So Paul tells us all these truths because it's necessary for us to have them firmly stamped into our hearts and in our minds as we live out our call as our call to be the church or the body of Christ, that city on a hill that says, look at this, look world, this is who Christ is and this is who he desires us to be. Because of all that we've been given, because of the power of God at work in our lives, this should be a pretty simple task to do, shouldn't it? To live out the lives that he's called, called us to. I mean, all the power that, that he used to raise Christ, he's worked in, used to, to work in our hearts and in our lives. He's taken us from here and brought us over to here. So it should be pretty simple to live out this call. But actually, because we still live in our sinful physical bodies, we're actually pretty pathetic at living this call out. But God knows that we will struggle, and Paul knew that the Ephesian church would and we would as well. So at the end of chapter 3, Paul prays for the church, and he prays for us. He prays that as we struggle through this life, we have, um, as we have victories mixed with defeat, that these truths that the Holy Spirit has given to him has and uh, to write down will be firmly planted into our hearts and into our minds. And this is um, a, a turning point in the, in the letter and one of the most beautiful uh, parts of Scripture. But he reminds us of the things that he had just taught and that they will be firmly stamped. When he says in chapter 3, verse 14, he says, When I think of all this, I fall to my knees and I pray to the Father, the creator of everything on heaven and on earth, and I pray from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your, group, your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And, you may, and may you have the power to understand, as all of God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. You may, may you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. So to live out the lives that he has called us to, that he's getting ready to explain in the next few chapters, we have to understand the first part. And Paul does this often, if not basically all of his letters. He talks about who God is, what God has done for us, and says, okay, now as a result, this is how we live. But it's important that we firmly have a grasp on who we are in Christ and what he's called us from and what he's called us to. Um, so that's what we have been looking at in the first three chapters. So let's remember these truths that we've studied over the last weeks and months. We need to be rooted in, in them 
so that we can live out the lives that he has called us to that Paul talks about in chapters 4, 5, and 6. And that's where he shares what this call is. The beginning of chapter 4, he says, Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. So because of all of this, what I just taught you, what Christ has done in your hearts and in your lives, live, lead a life worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourself united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body and one Spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. So that call is to holy living and to unity with other believers. I've always known that God desires us to live holy, set apart, and pure lives. That's been taught to me, and I suppose to many, if, and all of you, as, since an early age. And the Ephesian church lived in a society that was very corrupt. But Christ desired that they be holy as he is holy. He calls us to the same standard as well. So let's keep that in mind as we reflect on what it is that he has done for us. But as we've been going through this and, and some other and as we've worked through the other epistles that we've worked through so far, I've also been learning just how important unity and peace among believers is to God. Paul spends a lot of time talking about this in his epistles. John's epistles do the same. And as we've gone through the Old Testament uh, in the Bible Project videos, that became apparent to me as well, that unity within God's body and how we treat others is very important to God. So because of what Christ has done, and because we who were once dead and are now alive, and because we are to show the world the power of Christ, our lives, our actions, our attitudes should look different than what they did while we were dead. That should show up in our conduct, in our relationship with others. In, verses, uh, in chapter 6, verses 10 to 17, Paul shares with us the tools that we need to live, at our, to live out our lives in this fashion. I think Jeremy did a wonderful job of that last week, explaining and showing their necessity and effectiveness. <clears throat> so if you weren't here, there's many different ways, multiple ways that you can hear and see that. So I'm not going to go <clears throat> through that again today. But, but in those verses, the, the, the armor of God are the tools that we need to live out these lives that he calls us to. So Paul shares this theology with us in the beginning, what God has done. He prayed that we would fully understand that. Then he goes on to say, because of what God has done, this is how we should now live. And then he gives us the tools that we need. He reminds us of those tools of how we need to live these lives out. So as we close out this letter today, let's leave, read the last verses that we're going to look at. And I'll make a few quick comments, and then we'll look at how the Ephesian church lived these teachings out. <clears throat> so Linda has read them for us. I'll read them again quickly now. Paul says, Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. 
Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. And pray for me too. Ask God to give me the right word so I can boldly explain God's mysterious plan that the good news is for Jews and Gentiles alike. I am in chains now, still preaching this message as God's ambassador. So pray that I will keep on speaking boldly for him as I should. To bring you up to date, Tychicus will bring you a full report about what I am doing and how I am getting along. He is the beloved brother and faithful helper in the Lord's work. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, to let you know how we are doing and to encourage you. <clears throat> Peace be with you, dear brothers and sisters. May the God and Father, may God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you love with faithfulness. May God's grace be eternally upon all who love our Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul closes out the section on the armor of God and his entire letter by encouraging the Ephesians and us today to pray continually for all believers everywhere and specifically for him there in Rome in prison so that he would be bold in proclaiming the good news to everyone. I admit I I'm quick to pray for my own needs, my own wants. Most of my prayers are consumed with prayer for healing, for safety, and for comfort. And so as I work through this, I stand convicted that I very rarely pray for boldness in proclaiming the gospel. But it was what consumed Paul, and it should be what consumes us as well. <clears throat> Paul then informs them that he is sending this letter with Tychicus, who is a beloved brother and a faithful helper in the Lord's work. And his purpose in sending him was to deliver the letter and to let them know how things were going in Rome so that he could be an encouragement to the Ephesian church. I found it interesting as well that Paul, who was in prison, was concerned with encouraging them. Usually when I'm down in the dumps, I'm pretty concerned about others encouraging me, not me being encouragement other people. So I stand convicted here as well. Paul then closes out his letter saying, Peace be with you, dear brothers and sisters, and may God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you love with faithfulness. May God's grace be eternally upon all who love our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul prays that God will give them love and faithfulness. When I first read that, as I was preparing for the sermon, I found that to be kind of interesting. Why did he choose that? Love with faithfulness. But as I thought over what it was that Paul was preaching and teaching to the Ephesian church through his letter, it made perfect sense. God desires us to be faithful to him, to his truth, to understanding the truth, the theology that Paul teaches us here. That through Christ alone we are brought from death to life. That we cannot earn his love and forgiveness. It is all a gift. Our position in his family is not earned. So we have absolutely nothing to be proud of. Only gratefulness. He wants us to be faithful to that. So, that's, so let's never forget what God through Christ has done for us. Let's continue to thank him for it. Continue to meditate and study on exactly what it is that Christ has done and on who he is. And as a result of that truth, let's live out the lives that he has called us to. Lives of love, 
Loving those who don't love us. Loving those who have wronged us. Those who mock us. After all, isn't that what he has done for us? So let's be faithful and let's be loving. In Revelation chapter 2 verses 2 through 8, which was written nearly 40 years after Paul wrote this letter to the Ephesian church, we read Jesus' message to the church then. And again, this is, this is kind of a, a snapshot of what happened after the letter was written. And again, this is 40 years later. And Jesus says to the church that Paul had said to, to remain faithful and, and to love, he had prayed that for them. Jesus says to them, I know all the things you do. I have seen your hard work and your patient endurance. I know you don't tolerate evil people. You have examined the claims of those who say they are apostles but are not. You have discovered they are liars. You have patiently suffered for me without quitting. But I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Look how far you have fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. If you don't repent, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. But this is in your favor. You hate the evil deeds of the Nicolaitans just as I do. <clears throat> A generation later, the Ephesian, Ephesian church had good doctrine. They knew the difference between right and wrong. They tested the teachers to make sure they were teaching the truth. And they hated the deeds of the Nicolaitans. And Christ commended them for all of this because it is was and is important. But it wasn't the most important. In their quest to make sure they were doing the right things and that only proper doctrine was being taught, their love for the God that had brought them from death to life had grown cold along with their love for one another. Weren't these the two most important things that Paul had stressed in his letter? And Jesus had a stern warning for them that if they did not return to their love for him and for their brothers and sisters in Christ. So let's recall what Christ has done for us. Let's thank him and fall deeper in love with him as we meditate on the things that he did. <clears throat> and let's live out the lives of love for him and love for others that he has called us to. In closing, I'd like to, to pray for us the prayer that Paul prayed for the Ephesian church there in Ephesians chapter 3. When I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. When Christ will grow, when Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him, your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, <clears throat> though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now all glory to God who is able, through his mighty power at work within us, to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think 
Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. You have been listening to the Trestler Mennonite Sermon from February 13, 2022. The passage was from Ephesians chapter 6, verses 18 through 24. Take care.